Welcome to the Life Plus God podcast. My name is Alyssa Robinson. I am here with my lovely co-host, Reverend Doug Meyer. Yep. Or just call me Doug or Doug. Or the Rev. The Rev. Nobody Nobody calls you that. (laughs) And you are listening to the Unlearned Faith series. And the Unlearned Faith series is basically, we take a topic each month, we go into the YouVersion app, and we do a reading plan around that topic. And then we have a conversation about what are the things we need to unlearn about this topic? What are the things that we liked and the things that we didn't like about the reading plan? In today's reading plan, we are unlearning jealousy. Yep. And... The reading plan that we did in the YouVersion app is called Break Free from Envy. And so we're going to have a little conversation about the difference between envy and jealousy. And we're just going to say, hey, let's use those interchangeably because we know you probably do. But if you want to follow along with us in this reading plan, the link is in the episode description. So I invite you to go in there, click on it. If you've already done it, great. You're all up to speed. So... What is your relationship yeah. with jealousy and envy? Well, a confusing one in that I think I use those words like I think the majority of people do interchangeably. And every now and then we'd use them uh, according to the dictionary appropriately. But more often than not, I just use whatever first one comes to my mind. And... um so, yeah, I mean, that's that. I don't know if you want me to talk about all the different times I'm envious and jealous yet, but um, I think that I, the way I differentiate them is I'm jealous about uh, people and relationships, things, you know, mm. whereas I'm envious of things connected to objects. Mm. And so that's kind of how I for today I'm differentiating. I think that's how I think about it too. It's like when I think of being envious, I, I'm always thinking of it in a materialistic yeah, way yeah, of yeah. like, I want that thing that you have. Yep, exactly. And when I think of jealousy, I do. Cause we, I think that the phrase that people use the most is like a jealous lover. Yeah. And so you just think of it in terms of relationship. So just to get it, you know, on the table, let's yep. go ahead and say, I looked up the definitions of okay. the difference between envy and jealousy. Um, And envy means discontented longing for someone else's advantages. Jealousy means unpleasant suspicion or apprehension of rivalship. (laughs) Envy is most often used to refer to a covetous feeling towards another person's attributes, possessions, or stature in life. And many people use jealous to mean the same thing. So... Yeah, but we you know what, that kind, of tra- that kind of tracked with what we just said. Yeah. As far as, we don't use that flowery language, but we are envious of other people's attributes or stuff, right? Isn't that what that said, kind of? And uh, jealousy goes back to, um, I, I like that phrase, unpleasant suspicion. Unpleasant suspicion. Is there ever a pleasant suspicion? <laughs> What's that? Okay. I'm going to work on that this week. I, I wanna... think that when I'm suspicious of something and then I'm proven right, that's pretty that pleasant. That was a pleasant suspicious. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I like that. I like the way that you're thinking. Yeah. So I put the definition out there. According to scholars, there is a difference, but we are not scholars. And no. so from now on, when we're saying jealousy or envy, just work with use us. it in context. Just go with us. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Day one. Yep. So the writer gave her definition of envy. And I feel like she kind of took a little bit from the actual definition, but then put her own spin on it. And she said, envy can be described as the feeling of discontented or resentful longing aroused by someone else's possessions, qualities, or luck. It's the root of those negative emotions like jealousy and comparison, but envy goes a step deeper. She says, jealousy says... I wish I had what they had. Envy says, why should they have what I don't have? Mm. Envy hates to see other people happy and secretly rejoices when others (laughs) fall. I've never done that much. (laughs) (laughs) Like by the end of that sentence, you are already backpedaling. No, what do you think of that definition? Well, I think it's, I like it, I guess, you know. I think a lot of us can identify with the jealousy concept a whole lot quicker than we je- we identify with the um, the envy. 
Only because, I mean, who hasn't ever said in their head or in their mouth, I wish I had what they had. I wish I had X, i.e. I am jealous that they have fill in the blank, right? It's when I think we get into the envy that it begins to be a little bit of a slippery slope. And I think that there is some truth. And I think I have probably wished ill will on people before mm-hmm. who I was envious of. Uh, and I guess when I do that, I'm thinking that they, uh, what's the word, get their comeuppance? Yeah. Is that the word? Well, the word. I mean, that's one of them. That's a word. There's probably more than one that word. That probably is. Yeah. So, but that they kind of get what I think they deserve, which certainly isn't what they have. How about you? Well, I guess I'm a little, I struggle a little less with materialism. Yeah. I think where I struggle is non-materialistic comforts that other people get. And let me explain that. Um, So I work at a church. Yeah. I don't make a ton of money working Mm -hmm. at a church. Um. Despite what y'all might read in the headlines, the vast majority of people working at a church are probably below the poverty line. Yeah, we don't wear the lightest, coolest uh, no, tennis no. shoes. And what that means is that I have chosen, and I'm not here to say, like, Wah. feel bad for me. I'm not making oh. enough money. Like, this is a choice I've made in my life yeah. of I am passionate about this. I am willing to sacrifice making lots of money to be able to do something I love for a cause that I love for people that I love. And so I'm very, very happy, but with my salary, I'm mowing my own yard. I'm doing my own landscaping. I'm doing DIY projects all over my house. I'm, you know, choosing to drive places instead of fly places mm, for heard, vacations. I've heard of that. Uh, or trips of any kind. So all of these things, and I'm not doing it because I love remodeling and I love DIY and I, I hate all of it. I do it because I can't afford to hire somebody to do it for me. And so I get into this mindset of must be nice. And I see my friends who can afford to hire lawn maintenance people. And I see people who are like, oh, yeah, I've got a monthly subscription to a massage salon. And I go and get, you know, work done once a month or I go to my chiropractor or all of these things. And I just get into this, like, smug, like... Well, must be nice for you. Like, and then I start telling a story of they must not have any problems. Any problem that they have in life, they can just throw money at it. And they don't have to work hard. And they don't have to do this. And I'm out here busting my ass every single day. And my house looks terrible because I can't afford to pay people yeah. to do the things that you can. Yeah. And so what it does is it starts to change my attitude about people. But where it's all coming from is envy of like, I want what you have. I want to be able to just pick up the phone, call somebody, and they come mow my yard for me. Like, I don't want to be out there every Saturday morning at 7 a.m. working up a sweat. Yep. I don't want to have to figure out my own, like, you know, I would love to be able to hire a personal trainer to keep me accountable and actually, like, help me work on my body and all of these things. I'm left on my own because I can't afford it. Can't even afford a gym membership. Mm -hmm. So it's like my budget is extremely tight. And, again, not complaining about that. But I get into this, like, horrible attitude of, like, you – and, of course – I know in my brain that people who are able to pay for things doesn't mean they don't have any problems, right? We know that people who are able to pay for things have really deep, painful issues, just like everyone else. But I'm also like, but at least you can pay somebody to mow your yard. (laughs) We we measure their, uh, you know, the story we make up about their pain. Based on, you know, well, at least you can, right? Yeah. Da, 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 fill in the blank. I, I remember long ago having such a similar experience. We were fresh out of school, and uh, so I was on the path to being a preacher. My wife was a teacher. So, you know, doesn't take rocket science to figure out those salaries. But we uh, were running with a crowd who were made up of uh, doctors and lawyers and other people who had. Uh, uh, more disposable income. Mm-hmm. And they would say, I, I have this just very clear memory of, hey, let's all fly this weekend to Las Vegas for three nights. We'll have a lot of fun and we'll fly back. 
And that was like our entire like food budget for the rest of the year. And I really, um, I just was uh, irritated, mad, resentful, jealous, envy, all those words to the point that for a while I kind of just was like, I can't emotionally handle being your friends anymore because I can't play in the same playground you played in. And I just kind of pulled back from that friendship. And it's hard to say over and over again, I can't do that. I can't afford it. And then your friends are like, oh, I'll cover you. Oh, yeah. No, I'm I like, hate that. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, because then they felt awkward inviting us. So then they started just doing stuff on their own, which made me and us feel even more left out mm-hmm. because they were going to, you know, the higher class playground and we could hardly afford a teeter-totter. So mm-hmm. it starts this craziness that... Um, I think especially here in this area where we live and probably a lot of environments where there is a pretty high element of affluence, Mm -hmm. that there is kind of dispersions made up that affluence equals X, you know, yeah. especially this, this crazy story that affluence means you don't have any problems. Everybody in your house is happy and healthy and, you know, the, the ideal weight and just, you know, crazy thinking. Yeah. And... I do, I I try, I try, because I do believe the anecdote is gratitude. And so my partner gives me, he makes fun of me to no end, because I constantly say things like, well, I'm in the 1%. And he's like, Alyssa, no, you're not. Like, you are not in the 1%. And I'm like, no, in this grant, maybe not in the United States, but in the grand scale of the world, I am making more money than 99% of the world population. Yeah, that's a good wake-up call, isn't it? Yes. And I'm like, I can pay for groceries. I have a... I own a home. Mm. Like... You have a Not car. very many people from my generation in the United States can say that because we're struggling right now. I own a home. Like yep. I, all of these things, I have all these things to be grateful for, but then I work in an affluent community and I have affluent friends that I'm just like, grr. Like, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's slide into day two here. Okay. So in day two, she talks about wanting more and she talks about uh lucifer falling from heaven i know we we did the whole satan thing we're back we're back to the satan thing yep lucifer falling from heaven and she says it was envy that took him down mm-hmm. seeing his own beauty he was filled with selfish pride and he wanted more he wanted the highest place the place of honor and glory reserved only for god so that's the start of okay. this day okay When I first started this reading plan, I really didn't think envy is something I struggle with. Um, But? And I'll tell you why. Mm -hmm. So I have never, and because I think it was, I was thinking more of like jealousy in relationships when I was thinking of envy. And I have never been a jealous person for in relationships. And an example of that is my partner (laughs) uh, a few weeks ago his best friend is a woman and I went over to his house and sitting on his um, couch was a woman's purse and woman's dress. And hmm. I didn't even notice it. Hmm. I walked in and we were just like started making dinner and talking and just walking around the house. And he was like, Hey, did you notice there's a women's clothing over there like don't you have questions about that and I was like no I didn't even notice that and he was like oh well it's Jessica's she you know she and I had a drink and then she wanted to change out of her work clothes and she brought extra clothes and blah 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 but then she forgot to take that stuff home with her and I was like okay fine whatever (laughs) I don't care Mm -hmm. and I feel like there are so many other women that like the first thing they do when they walk in that room is whose is that What's going on? Within, I don't believe you. Within what? nanoseconds. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't even notice. And so little things like that. And I told him, I was like, you could cheat on me so easily. Mm-hmm. Like, here it is. This is, And I will not notice, like, no matter what. And I was like, it's up to you now. <laughs> like, I won't, I won't be able to tell. And because of uh, not feeling jealous in relationships, I felt like, I don't really deal. Envy is not my thing. But. But. One of the things that I realized 
reading through her devotion is one of the things that I struggle with because she talked about feeling threatened by somebody else's greatness. One of the things that I struggle with is I hate asking for help. I don't want any help. I don't want to admit that I need help. And also, I don't want to know that there's someone out there better than me that can help me. Like it is, it, I think it's threatening to me. What of did like, you mean just then when you said someone better than me that can help me? What's better than you? Cause just because they can help you, how does that make them better than you? Because they can do something I can't. Oh. That doesn't make them better. Well, in my stupid head, yeah. it does. Right. <laughs> and so I started to realize, I'm like, okay, that's what I need to unlearn is, yeah, I deal with envy just like everyone else. And for me, it's more about capability. Envy of capability as ah. opposed to envy in relationships. Yeah, yeah. Um, but being threatened by somebody else's greatness. I think we all experience that constantly of like, I don't want to know that there's somebody better than me at my job. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want to think about that. And if I find out that there is someone better than me at my job, I'll make a snide comment about it. Yeah, but well, they don't know how to do this. Or mm -hmm. yeah, but they've had everything handed to them. Or they have a huge budget. <laughs> like, yeah, of course this church is able to put out this amazing work. They're a congregation of 10,000 people. Yeah. Like, they have so much money coming in. And we're doing all of this on a shoestring budget, you know? Yep, yep. Like, and I come up with these excuses of like, they're not as good as me. I don't need their help. I don't need to go to this church and ask how they're doing, what they're doing. I can figure it out. I hear and you. it, it, it's like this mix of envy sure. and pride <laughs> that oh, is just like super man. unhealthy. But I, I yeah. totally get that. Like, uh, it just kind of poked me to think like, I'm very envious. If you hang around where we work, Treach Methodist Church, our, uh, senior pastor, has this amazing memory and can assimilate his sermon and stand up he there. He doesn't ever even look down at his notes. Doesn't look at a stinking note, and that drives me crazy. Talks for 30 minutes. And details, not just notes. Like, you know, I could talk about just rambly crap for 30 minutes, but he talks and cites quotes and specific numbers and verses and scriptures and all this stuff without a note one. I am a, a notaholic. Like I, like even now, I don't have the confidence to get up and speak without notes. So I am envious of that. And, um, you know, I'm just moderately mature enough to go, oh, well, that's his gift. That's not my gift. And so I don't linger there a lot. But um, I definitely, you know, I definitely have it and have felt it and... Uh, am envious that he has it, and I'd like to have it. Well, and so in the scripture for day two, one of the the verses that they pulled up is 1 Samuel chapter 18. I'm going to start at verse 6. Okay. So it says, As they were coming home, when David returned from killing the Philistine, the women came out all of the towns of out of all of the towns of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with songs of joy, with musical instruments. And the women sang to one another as they made merry, Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul was angry for this saying, for this saying displeased him. He said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed thousands. What more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul eyed David from that <laughs> day on. And I wrote a note of like, oh man, I think I'm Saul. Like, I think I'm reading about myself here of like... So the I, other guy Me had, too, guys. Like, I killed... I a, was out there. Yeah. I got spears thrown at me. Yeah. Just, I don't like, know. why did you have to say he killed 10,000? I only killed 1,000. Like, why can't you say, like, they killed, they a, killed bunch. a bunch of people together? Isn't that crazy that that's a scoreboard? <laughs> I scoreboarded you by my death count. <laughs> only in the Old Testament. Well, but again, that's when we... Uh, so here's what I kind of get. I guess I just heard you say. like, So we get envious or jealous sideways when... Uh, Somebody gets this acknowledgement that we didn't get because we perceive that we put in the same amount of work and are equally deserving of the attributes. Uh, you know, we want people to sing and dance and play tambourine for us. And um, 
Man, I think that's part of the human condition. Mm -hmm. I bet you everybody who, especially if there's any kind of context in which they work in a setting where there's more than one person and the other person gets the, so here, I'm going to just be vulnerable for a minute. So we do this thing here at church called shout outs uh, in staff meeting. Oh, the shout outs. And it's about once every quarter at least. Mm -hmm. And we uh, shout out. So, hey, Alyssa, thank you so much. You were just superhero when you fixed all of the stuff I put on wrong on the website and this, that, and the other, right? Which I don't get shout outs. <laughs> well, I don't either. And it always, like, I leave a little pouty. Yeah. I'm like, don't, don't you, do you people not know what I do behind the scenes to have your back or this, 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 and that? And I never get a shout out. And this is the first time I've ever said this out loud because it sounds really petty, but it kind of hurts my feelings. Oh, well, sometimes I don't crave a shout out but i do so this leads us nicely into day three because okay. one of the things that she talks about in day three is like following up on like being threatened by other people's success yeah. and so uh she talks about she had like specific quotes of like things we say to each other so it said did you hear blank this person wrote a book and you respond and say yeah but it's self-published <laughs> or or the I've she's, done that. she does the quote of like their church is really growing and the person responds with of course when it's all about entertainment <laughs> like we do stuff like that all the time and that's what I do during the shout outs is like do you? I'm like well yeah of course they get a shout out they're the glamour ministry <laughs> like they're they're the one that everybody sees like of course children's ministry is going to get a shout out stinking kids or music they're in front of music all the time yes Yes. And so I sit here to myself and I'm like, man, I get a shout out. But, uh, and I call communication. Anyone who asks me, I'm like, yeah, communication is the baggage claim of the church. Uh, <laughs> nobody ever comes to me because they're happy. happy. They yeah. come because something's wrong. Uh, There's a glitch on the website or something's been you, communicated or incorrectly. You, or, or why don't you? But if things are going really well, nobody says anything. Yeah. <laughs> no. And it kind of does like, it gets to you it over does. time. And so here's the other I'm thing guessing I make it's the same for care and support. Yeah, we're always there for you. But yeah. nobody ever comes back and goes, oh, wow. Thanks for helping do all those funerals every yeah. weekend in a row for, you know, forever how long. Because I don't, like, see, I make up that the people who get the most shout outs are from departments who regularly kind of mess up and somebody else comes back along and cleans up their mess for them. Oh. And makes them makes them look better. Oh my gosh, we sound so ugly and petty right now, but that's what envy does. It does. It just gets all up in your head, and you. It, so it's the initial feeling. I don't know what's worse, the initial feeling or the uh, like the trailer of crap that you pull behind it. Yeah. So she talks about the way we cut each other down yeah. in day three, and we we hear. The things that she says of like, oh, they wrote a book. Yeah, but it's self-published. Like all of those things that we do to diminish other people's accomplishments. But she also says, don't forget that we each possess a reflection of God's glory in one way or another. And so that means the way that you're cutting someone else down, there are, there's other people who are envious of you and what you have and trying to cut you down. So I just wanted to ask you, like a cute, uh, a quick little puff up here. What do you think that people envy in you? Oh wow, I don't know. Um, that's kind of embarrassing. I know you. You don't want to be braggadocious about it, but like there are things that people envy in you. Are there? I'll, do you want me to say something I envy in you? Yeah. I envy. Your ability to connect, uh, your relationships are something that it just seems to come so naturally to you, mm. and it's something that does not come naturally to me. And um, I just see how, like, in any situation, you have an ability to calm people down and Aww. to... Uh, and I'm like, I want that. Like, I want to be that person, and, but I'm not. I don't have that gift. And it's not necessarily something that I'm upset with you about because I'm like, you are in the perfect role mm -hmm. to be able to do that. Um, and so it's not something that I try and cut you down of like, yeah, yeah but like. Yeah, yeah. 
what else does he do? Or <laughs> I don't even know what I would say. I know that he comes to meetings unprepared a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be something that I if I were to cut you down, I would be like, yeah, he's really good with the relationships, but he won't respond to my freaking email. Like, because <laughs> he's probably in a relationship. And when he does respond, he only read the first sentence. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he doesn't know how to read more than ten words at a time. Yeah, so that would be the cut down I would use yeah. if I. But I think that those connections are something yeah. that are so underrated. And I think that we can so easily look at your job and be like, okay, um, what's the output? Like, what are you producing? Mm -hmm. But what you're doing is you're building those relationships and connections that are so needed in a church, but we want to disregard it because of our jealousy and insecurity. Well, that, and it's, it's um, everything uh, newsflash here in churches as well as every else in the world has a measurement value to it, right? Yeah. And so, you know, hey, how many X did you do? Well, you know, it's hard to measure how many hours you, sp- well, I mean, you can get the hours, but the depth of sitting with a family whose son just died of a yeah. drug overdose. Okay, a sign of value to that, right? Yeah. And that's hard to. So if I'm uh, pointing out years, mm-hmm. what I'm envious of you, is your uh, directness in, uh, uh, I'm going to use the word confrontation, but it's not always a confrontive directness, but because for me, I go, all of my directness goes through a filtration system of, is this going to hurt this person's feelings? Is this going to make them like me less? Is, you know, so I, before it comes, you know, by the time it finally comes out, it's gone through many layers of, and I like. I know this isn't what you're saying, but I. It's so funny. So what you envy is my ability to disregard people's feelings. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think no. of a nice way to say that. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. that you have a directness in thought and both in creativity as well as in we'll just call it policy or just mm-hmm. you know the stuff we have to deal with that. Um, it's like you land the plane as you're making your statement, mm. whereas I circle the airport about 20 times before mm. I even start to kind of get down there because I, and I think this is a kind of a twoism. I'm reading the room, seeing how everybody's going to do with this thing, and by the time it comes out of my mouth, it's just such mamsy-pamsy, mm-hmm. you know, and you're just like, boom. Yeah, sometimes I should read the room, though, huh? <laughs> Maybe a little. <laughs> and maybe sometimes I should be more direct. Yeah. No, I could I could see that because I have had people tell me, like, man, Alyssa, you say what you mean and you lay it down in the moment. And I wish I could do that. So I could I could see people feeling envious of that. What what's the cut down you would throw at me? Yeah, but Yeah, but look at all the people who leave the room crying. <laughs> They they wait until they're out of the room. I know. They come to my office and go, why is she so mean to me? I'm like, oh, that's her giftedness. Yeah, it's her gift. Uh, she wasn't being mean to no, you. No, it's not me. Number, yeah. yeah, what's your number and what's her number? She and... wasn't even thinking about no, you. No, she's thoughtless. I mean, no, she doesn't. <laughs> okay, let's jump into day four because. Let's do this is six days. This is, I think this is the longest devotion we've done I'm getting so worn far. out. Okay. Um, okay. Day four, I don't want to spend a lot of time on, and I'll tell you why. It I completely turned notes. me off. I know. And one of the things, so in our very first episode of Unlearned Faith, I said one of the things I'm unlearning is faith is a battle. It doesn't have to be a battle. And her sentence in here says, we live in a spiritual battle and our enemy will use whatever means necessary to destroy us, even using us against each other if we're not aware. And I'm just like, oh, that language is so unhelpful to me because the great adversary being a battle, like it puts the ownership elsewhere than on myself. So I don't like that language. But one of the things I really liked um, is that she said, oftentimes the self-doubt you experience is the negative energy of other people's intimidation of your potential. Oh, wow. So she talks about self-doubt that that is 
basically she's saying, hey, here's what it feels like when you are experiencing other people's envy. So she ends day three talking about like, hey, someone might be envious of you. And day four is like that does damage to you as well when other people are feeling envious of you. It creates a self-doubt within you when you hear the way that people are cutting you down because of their envy. And so I'm going to read it again. Oftentimes, the self-doubt you experience is the negative energy of other people's intimidation of your potential. Yeah. So that made me think of this meme I saw on Instagram uh, that it was like two girlfriends talking to each other. And um, a guy says to one of the girls, like, hey, you're, you know, you're a little intimidating. And not saying that in a nice way. And I'll say, as a female eight on the Enneagram, that triggers me right away because I have been told over and over again that I am intimidating to other people. And her girlfriend responded and says, is she intimidating or are you intimidated? (laughs) And I was like, ooh, drop the microphone. Love that. Um, And so just thinking about, like, why do we let those insecurities and self-doubt grow within us because other people are intimidated of us? Well, I think for a moment we have we do this like, could that be true? Oh, no. And and we have to run through this whole mental exercise of is there a chance that what they just said, which might be negative, is true? And we don't want to have any of that negative stuff in us because we want to appear as though we always have. And that's why it's so hurtful because most likely there is a little little bit of it that's true. Yeah. 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 And so it either like catches us off guard because we thought we had that hidden really well or covered up really well, or we'd covered it up so well that we'd even convinced ourselves that it wasn't there anymore. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, how dare you call that out? Yeah. Yeah. That's, I don't it's hard sometimes when I think people say things like I probably am guilty of this sometimes, especially like using humor, like we'll point something out in the other person as a part of a joke or whatever. And it really has kind of a sharp pointy edge to it. And, uh, you know, Oh, I was just kidding. I mean, how many times have you heard that? Right. Yeah. And, uh, it is both me calling out something that I'm envious of new and you hearing it and going, I thought I had, you know, I don't know. Well, okay. So for, for the openness and vulnerability, I'm going to bring up a moment that you and I had where you kind of did that to me. Okay. Um, which you later apologized to me for. So it was really good. So it was that one day that I walked in and my shirt was wrinkled. Oh. And you made the comment of, hey, Alyssa, are you aware that your shirt looks like you just pulled it out of the laundry basket? Mm-hmm. Like, ha, 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 ha. Mm-hmm. And I laughed because I did think it was funny because the truth was I did pull it out of the laundry <laughs> basket. But now looking back on that, I'm like, huh, why did you feel the need to call that out? Mm-hmm. What insecurity were you experiencing that you were like, I'm going to jab her yeah. on this in this moment. The rule in my head is that um, professionals always look all put together. Mm. And so I was judging your uh, personhood by your outward appearance. Mm. And I think... And I believe I showed up to work also in yoga pants that day and a, a shirt <laughs> pulled out of the laundry hamper. <laughs> so I probably have some kind of judgmental rule of yeah. of like a work dress code, but I push the boundaries on that mm-hmm. pretty often. Uh, I mean, I am wearing sandals today, which are probably, you know, I don't know, Jesus wore them. Mm-hmm. So, um, but do you think that that came from a place of envy in any way? No. No. I don't think it was. It was just I think it was old white bald man judgment Yeah. of, hey, that's probably not appropriate. And were we on camera that day? Yeah. I think we were. We so, recorded yeah. a, a so, podcast yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, that's definitely, you don't need to wear clothes of dirty clothes on camera. Yeah. And I'm... That's a rule. I'm, yeah. And I am like, yeah, I work at a church. Come as you are. You know? Like, no, Jesus you is all about it. Jesus no. is all about it. No, that's not yeah. true. No. And uh, so, yeah, jeans and a T-shirt are regular for me. That day I was a little bit more dressed down because I was moving equipment around and all of that. But, hey. I, well, all right. 
<laughs> no, you can say it. No, I just don't think you should probably wear like a wrinkled up shirt on TV, on camera. Yeah. I, I want I, the best for you. I disagree. And I don't think you I look think, your best in a wrinkled shirt out of the dirty clothes. Yeah, I probably didn't. Yeah. But here is something that I believe in. What? Be your natural self at all times. And I don't, and this is just a personal thing for me of like, I don't want to change the way I dress, change the way I act, change the, anything about me because I'm going to be on camera. All right. And I feel like that's part of the problem that, uh, the inauthenticity of the church is that we want to present the shiniest version of ourselves at all time. And so for me, that's almost like a personal mantra of like, if I know I'm going to be on camera, no, I'm not going to wear makeup because I don't wear makeup. I'm not going to put on a special outfit because this is what I wear. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not going to make changes to who I am just because I'm going to be on camera. And if anything, I feel like, oh, maybe someone will see me and be like, Oh, look hey, how real she is. She looks like me. Yep. <laughs> I, I totally get that. I get it. I promise I do. Yeah. And I get that I'm a product of um, the opposite camp of, um, is it healthy or not? Uh, probably not. Uh, put your uh, shiniest, prettiest, whitest teeth up front. Mm-hmm. You know, wear a, a, a starch shirt. We yeah. used to have a colleague who I was like, I will pay for you to send your shirts to the dry cleaners just so you show up. Really? Oh, so this has been a long time. Oh, yeah, no. I, yeah. I, I'm a judger from way back. <laughs> I'm an outward judger. From, and, uh, you know, yeah, no, we, we have a, uh, somebody that used to wear like way too big pants. And I was like, please just buy the right size pants. Yeah. So and I'm so, just going to go ahead and chalk that up to you are intimidated by me. I am. And I am. And I, I wish I had the freedom. And then move into day five. I will own, though, that uh, so like I have a rule like on uh, my day off, I will wear the same dirty T-shirt for like days in a row. Yeah. But nobody sees me except me and my Well, dog. that's what I was wondering is like, is the envy and insecurity and like. I kind of wish I, I wish had the freedom I, to do I that. I wish I could yeah. do that. Like I, and maybe the truth is you could. No. As a pastor, you can't. Probably not. I'm going to try it Sunday. I'm preaching Sunday, so I should just show just up in show like up my... in like your Grateful Dead t-shirt. And my paint... Well, I call them my paint clothes. Like, yeah. you know, so when I paint, I just paint goes everywhere. And like, they're not allowed in our house to be with the regular clothes, yeah. according to my wife. They're over what here. What if we just showed who we really are? What if we did that? All right. Day five. All right. Let's land this. I'm hungry. Okay. <laughs> What do you think, in day five, she claims that the root of envy is our distrust in God, not contempt of others? So, what do you think of that? The root of envy is our distrust of God, not contempt of others. My initial reaction is I don't agree. Like, so if I'm envious, going with our thoughts here, I'm envious of something you have that I want, and if I apply her thinking, it's, so if I trusted God more, I would come to the realization that I, um, God is all I need and that uh, I don't need stuff, right? That's true, but I, when, when it says the root of it is the distrust of God, like, um, I don't know. I feel like I trust God, but I don't know that I ever think about God, because I don't think about God as the provider of stuff. Hmm. Uh, and so um, I think God provides, but in the context of creation, that, that's an interesting, like if you could just maybe uh, another, another day we talk about, what's it mean to trust God? Hmm. And, um, I have no idea. I wrestle with that all the time. Well, I think for me it means that I have an acknowledgement that God is God and I'm not. And that uh, God created the world, put it in motion, gave me free will. And trying to just, uh, I think God has this expectation that I also do what I can do to make, meet my own needs. In this day, I feel like she's throwing down some pretty big themes that kind of go outside of jealousy for me. Um, so forgive all the he pronouns for a second, because I'm going to read a part of her reading plan for day five. Okay. Um, she, he, meaning God, 
is also infinitely abundant. Psalms say he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, which means he owns everything and he will never run out. Do we believe that? Can we trust that he sees the big picture of our lives and there might be things we don't yet quite understand? Could it even be possible that what he has in store for us is so far beyond our wildest imagination? Do we have faith for that? I've heard it said, you can have God or you can have understanding, but rarely can you have both. And then she asks the question, is God enough for us? And so now I feel like we veered from the territory of envy into God has a plan for you. Just trust in God. So my question is, do you believe that God has a plan for each of us? Because that's what she seems to be saying. Um, what does it mean when scripture says God has a plan for you? So, no, I don't, but yes, I do. So the no, I don't, my understanding of God is like, I, I don't come up with that God has just to use, you know, language from today like a file for each one of us. And mine says Doug Meyer, and there's a, you know, you open it up and whether, you know, somehow there's notes, uh, you know, self-improvement notes for Doug Meyer. But I do believe in the purposefulness of creation that we are all to um, have the best that we can possibly have. And I think that that is, uh, that ranges. And, you know, my fortune of being born who and how and where I was plays a big part of that. And um, other people's, you know, and it's all relative. Like, you know, when I went to uh, South Africa and, and looked around, uh, the people there have a different life than I do. And um, by my Western measurement, it was less than. By their contentment scale, um, they also had a full understanding of happiness. Mm -hmm. And in both settings, I and others like me in the Western world or they and, and folks like them uh, could imagine having more, being more, doing more, whatever. Um, but I don't think God said, okay, you know, if you live in America, Doug Meyer, here's how this is going to roll out. Mm -hmm. uh, and I want you to be born in America. I'm going to do everything and I can't, you know, I'm going to be the God of where you're born and mm -hmm. the God of where you die. I don't think so. Yeah. I, and maybe someday I'm going to be really surprised when we have like a little sit down one day and, and however I run into God and God's like, hey, we got some stuff we got to review here. Yeah. But my understanding of God right now is no, that God does not uh, uh, have a personal plan for every one of us. What do you, mm. where, what do you come up with on that? I have no idea. <laughs> Well, how about and just for today? Should I just guess at it? Yeah. I would say my answer is no as well because I see too many horrible things happen in this world for it to be a part of God's plan. And one of the things that I have been known to say to people is uh, God does not make bad things happen, but God has the ability to make good out of bad um, if you're willing to look for it. But also that feels icky too of like, well, if God has a plan and God's in control, why did the bad thing ever happen to begin with? And so it's almost more comforting to me to think God has no plan whatsoever. And we are like God has given each of us a mind and an intelligence and um, a, a moral compass and that we can choose to develop or not. Mm -hmm. And um, so we are responsible for the plan. We are responsible for the good works. But does that mean I'm just trying to take control away from God? I don't know. Like, I don't understand uh, any of this. I don't get it. And I would love to just be the person who's like, God has a plan for me. Yeah. Uh, and, and just kind of curl up with that and go to sleep and feel happy about it. I can't like I life's too difficult life's life's so unfair and that goes into day six where she says you know the title of it is life's not fair but I just see life being so unfair to so many people 
and so few people reap the benefits of this world, this can't be God's plan. It can't possibly be. And if it's not God's plan, does that mean that God's not powerful enough to put God's plans into existence and that we're more powerful because we, like, I just can't, I, it just takes me down this rabbit hole of, well, if this is true, then this has to be true. And if this is true, then this has to be true. And, you know, I, I just come to this corner that I'm like, nothing's true. (laughs) Nothing makes sense. I'm really hungry, by the way. Did I I say that already? You already said it. We're, we're recording during the lunch hour, people. (laughs) Okay. Day six is just titled Life's Not Fair. Yep. And it's kind of a reminder of like, yeah, life's not fair. You're going to be envious and jealous of other people. And because there will be people who are better than you. There will be people who earn more money than you. There will be people who are more successful than you. Like it all will always be there. You are never going to be the absolute best. And if you are the absolute best, it won't last forever. So life's not fair. And then we see someone else succeeding and we see it as a threat and we say it's not fair. And um, it's, it's just so malicious and terrible and, we see that if other people are gaining, then we are losing. If someone else is gaining, I am losing. And we have to get out of that mindset of it is not always a battle. (laughs) It is not always you or me. We should celebrate. And that's one of the things that she recommends. Um, When we break free from envy, which was the title of this reading plan, She said, one of the things that can help you break free from envy is complimenting someone on the thing you're envious of. No. And that that'll start to retrain your brain. But we've got to do something about this mindset of if you're gaining, I'm losing. Yeah. And I I think we probably, you got to start undoing that when even the way you talk about what with kids, because everything... It seems like that's a big statement there. Many things in life are based out of comparison, and comparison then is the the starter kit for uh, jealousy and envy, mm-hmm. right? Because if if um, if you are faster than me, then I'm comparing myself to that, and I am now suddenly because I sign that you're better than since you're faster than, and I want to be faster than. But you are, and so I, am I envious, or how do I teach my kid, wow, isn't that great that Matthew is, you know, can, can run so fast, and we just leave it at that. But we set up this whole system then of where uh, faster than everything than gets an award, mm-hmm. and it's this culture of we, you know, we esteem that. We don't that. celebrate each other. Mm-mm. Well, we only celebrate first, second, third place. Yeah. <laughs> and so if you're not up in there then, you know, you're a little bit less than. And nobody so, so someone's going to say, okay, so you're in the everybody gets a yeah, trophy everybody camp. Get, right. Are you? No, maybe. I might be. But every environment doesn't have to have a winner. I also, um, I think maybe, and I don't know that I did this with our kids, like, yeah, life's not fair. No, there's going to be a lot of days that life is not fair. And um, you're going to try really hard. And uh, yours is going to be what you did, but somebody else is going to look at what another person did, and theirs is going to get picked over yours. And that's, uh, you know, welcome to life. Mm-hmm. That That's our, our, our story all, for all of life. And it doesn't mean you didn't try hard enough. It doesn't mean that you weren't good enough. It just means didn't go your way this time. That's the way it rolled that day. And I think that the sooner we get our head around that, the less likely we are then to assign a privilegedness to that. Yeah. All right. What have you unlearned about envy slash jealousy? That uh, probably more than likely they are um, they're uh, like antimatter. <laughs> they're not good contributors to my uh, my life plan. Mm-hmm. That they are not going to propel me to the place that I want to be before someday God just takes me to wherever we go off to. Yeah. But that um, 
even though for a while there I was campaigning that maybe they were good motivators, the backside of that is uh, ill will. <laughs> yeah. And not good intent. And that um, perhaps that jealousy and envy are like this, like if I'm on a journey, it is just this parched land that I have to travel through to get to the other side. How about you? Um, that I am not above it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I will go back and edit this two-hour conversation and just feel so ugly. And hearing myself talk about like the things that I struggle with, it's just, um, I think, unlearning that it doesn't affect me because it does. And that it's not a good look. And I hope that I have the courage in this editing process to put out the ugly bits too about myself, because I think that we all need that reminder um, that envy is a part of our everyday experience and it's bringing us down and it's making us the worst version of ourselves and myself. I'm, I'm protecting myself by speaking on the ourselves. It's the worst <laughs> part. Envy is the worst part of me. It is, um, it feels petty, doesn't it? Petty, ugly part of myself yeah, yeah. that I allow to take over my life way more often than I should more than I ever should. Uh, it makes, so, me, it makes me think I haven't evolved as far as I think I have. I haven't. Yeah. I am a teenager. Like I am stuck. I'm a, a 33 year old woman's body with a teenager brain. Um, okay. Next month yep. we are unlearning anger. I think this is going to be a really fun one I for both too. of us because we both have, uh, we're just a simmering yeah, pot. Yeah, we, we both are. We're just like ready to pop off at any <laughs> time. Uh, the reading plan is called Calming Anger, and it is a seven-day plan. It's the oh. longest one we've done so far. I know, right. but you can do it. You can, can do, do seven days can. out of 30. Well, especially on anger. That'll yeah. be fun. Yeah. Uh, but it's probably, I mean, anger is my daily fuel. This is needed. Ooh, really? I Yes. Anger, like, keeps me going. Ooh, and it makes me want to throw up. Oh, well, this will be fun then. It will be. Uh, so a link to this reading plan that we're doing in February is in the episode description if you want to join us. But as always, you can just tune in and listen and, and see what we have to say about it. Maybe go back and, and read anger, it later. Yeah. Bring your, Bring your anger self. with you. Um, maybe you want to tell us that we've made you angry in some way. There's no way we could have said anything on this podcast to make anyone angry, right? Uh, Yeah, so tell us about your anger, and then I will refer to you to how to calm your anger in this reading plan. I think we should already have, like, at the end of it next time, go, like, okay, so here's some quiet meditation. Yeah, yeah. We'll have like a I'll whole... I'll choose all Zen music for the yeah, episode. Yeah, and have guided meditations. Yeah. And yeah. Yep, 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 yep. All right. All right so thanks again for joining us in this Life Plus God podcast and specifically for the Unlearned Faith series. We have a lot of fun doing this and we will see you again next time. Absolutely. Everybody take care.